Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome to episode 88 of The Snyder Cut. I am your sleepy host, Jeff Snyder, senior film reporter at Collider, and joining me today is my friend, John Roca, friend of the show. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, man. Hey, my uh, my, uh, my pleasure, man. I like 88. 1988, that's a good year. I like that year, so I'm happy to be on for the 88th episode, man. Hell yeah. How are you? Um, Good, good. <laughs> Just like, in, you know... I barely know what day it is. I've got <laughs> my brother's getting married next weekend. And oh. so there's been a lot of prep and you know, I'm 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 trying to clear assignments off my plate and Right, right. We're we're to... at that mode of, of the summer. I like it. I like it. It's good and to how, be working and, too. And how are you besides putting up with the extreme heat in San Diego? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. You know, just uh focusing more and more on the channel, doing more and more content. You know, now that things are starting to jump back up, man, more reviews are going to start popping up and you know i've been getting to screenings going out to screenings again so it's been nice uh it's a, certainly a whole different experience in san diego than it is in la but uh it's not a bad thing it's a very relaxed experience and uh is there I a love... good like community of critics down there yeah yeah there is there's a good community yeah. of critics and uh, i'm slowly getting to know them and hopefully i'll get into the san diego film critics association and if i can get into that then i'll be hopefully getting to know more and more people so you know i'm in this for the long haul i like it and I've been very fortunate that uh, people have helped me out connecting me with publicists and whatever down here to make sure I get to screening still. And I still drive up occasionally to LA. I went up for the Fast 9 screening on, on June 1st, which was pretty awesome. So, yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm happy for it. I'm glad everything's working out. Uh, I wanted you on today because it just seems like the dominant story of the week has been In the Heights. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I wanted to watch In the Heights. I, I did not have a chance this week. I, I started it. And then I got roped into a Schmodown study session by Roxy. And I have not found another two and a half hour window for it. But I didn't want to just ignore it on, on this podcast. So, John, what did you right. think of In the Heights? You were a big fan, right? Yeah, I loved it. I've seen it three times now. Uh, once in the theater, twice on HBO. Oh, actually, once on the theater, once on HBO Max, and once as a screener link that Warner Brothers sent me ahead of time. Very kind of them to do so. And I absolutely loved it. It's a fantastic, vibrant, fun film that also speaks very powerfully to the latino experience but also touches on the universal themes of following your dreams uh the obstacles of following your dreams how just because everyone loves you when you're so great coming out of high school it doesn't mean that that's going to transfer to college and what troubles you may encounter also you're dealing with your community leaving your community re-embracing your community and of course all of it set to some fantastic music and some topical um news items and political news items in the film as well so i think it covers so many things within the two hour and 20 minute runtime that i it's just a fantastic experience for sure well then let me ask you as someone who's yeah. had that you know two different experiences watching the movie is there a difference between watching it on the big screen with an audience and watching it home alone because i i do suspect that is one reason why i didn't watch it because i didn't have anybody to watch it with yeah, yeah. My dad's girlfriend, hey, is, is tonight the In the Heights night? And she's like, no, but I, I don't have anyone else who's going to sit there for two and a half hours and watch a musical with well, it's, it's an interesting situation. Yeah, I mean, I think it's even better in the theater because I think the cinematography and John M. Chu's direction is just lush, very lush, and the colors are great. They make New York another character, or Washington Heights, rather, another character in the movie. So the spectacle is there for you to see, just like you if you had gone to Broadway to see it, which is, in essence, that version of a theatrical experience going to Broadway to see how they use the stage. When you go into a theater, you're essentially doing the same thing and you're seeing it as big as possible. It certainly takes advantage of that experience for sure. But seeing it at home is just as powerful. I mean, look, the first time I saw Singing in the Rain was on TCM or one of those channels, I mean, or on VHS. So like the experience of watching musicals on a small screen, there's, there's, you know, you can still embrace them and cherish them and love them as much as if you went to the theater all the theater does is accentuate what you're already experiencing right i saw lawrence of arabia for the first time on tv then i went and saw it when they did the 4k reissue and it was a completely different experience but my joy for it stayed the same i'm sure the intimacy of, of in the heights also you know does mm. play well at home um, yeah so okay well you know one thing that I, I right i remembered like i think it was john chu who posted a video from inside the theater yeah. Right. People, People were dancing. singing, dancing, and you would think yeah. that this was like the movie event of the year, and, and yeah. everyone was so glad to be back in theaters after the pandemic. 
But the truth is, is that the the reception and the performance at the box office was much more muted than that. Yeah. Um, so, so it only made around 11 million, and there was just a lot of box office discourse. Maybe because we haven't really had a chance to talk about box office for mm. the last year, but it really just brought out everyone trying to come up with these different reasons as to why it underperformed. Yeah. You know, uh, like what is your take on it? I I think that HBO Max obviously hurt the, the theatrical performance, but at the same time, if only 700,000 people watched it on HBO Max, which was the estimate, yeah. that's only roughly $7 million. So maybe it would have opened to 18 if it, if it didn't go day and date. Right, right. And maybe, maybe, right? And you, you look at that situation, you go, okay, the 11 million, eight, 18, still would have considered lower than the expectations, which were 20 million, right. even if it did that. But the fact that it only did 700,000 views on HBO Max also speaks to what happened here. Like the question is, what, why are people going to see Godzilla versus Kong or A Quiet Place, which I think it crossed $100 million in the theater? Why is that more of a draw than a musical like this that really takes advantage of a theatrical experience? So, I mean, those, say, those are huge spectacle huh. movies, though. Where it was, so with, is this. With this is a IP. massive spectacle movie as well. And what's spectacle about A Quiet Place? It's a small, intimate tale with these crazy aliens, sure, but it's a small intimate story of four to five people this has a bigger cast it's way more of a spectacle than a quiet place i just think what you've got is a horror film and you've got a monster film and that's going to appeal to more of the quadrants uh in in movie going public i'm sure but in this situation i think there's a lot of factors certainly we've seen the same takes that we always see oh the marketing was an issue which i don't understand uh they didn't have any stars well there have been plenty of films with no stars that made a lot of money who the hell knew who billy bob thornton was till he did sling blade who the hell knew who gene does our jews jan was until he was in the artist benini and life is beautiful films can't succeed with no stars that americans don't know it's i think it was something that americans both on all sides of the political spectrum for whatever reason didn't want to go see a story that was very latino very hispanic very much about of those people and i i think that's the thing at the end of the day look yeah uh, that's what bothers me overall the marketing i've heard from some people oh i didn't understand what the movie's about what what do you mean do you really understand what a fucking adam sandler movie's about you still go see it but, don't but you i i do think it's that that a fair criticism because what is the hook like what is the story i'm going to see okay i'm going to go see the story of this neighborhood washington heights but what is yeah. the story beyond that i don't think that warner brothers ever communicated what the story was it's four it's young people who are at this stage in their life where they're experiencing transition to, mm -hmm. as they pursue their dreams you know one wanting to build a better life for his future kids and wanting to get the woman of his dreams the woman of his dreams wanting to pursue being a designer the other woman coming back from college after having suffered racism in college because she had been in such a cocoon such a bubble in washington heights she didn't understand how it can be out there with certain powerful white people turning on her that's part of the story as well and then you've got Corey hawkins who's back here pining for the girl who went to college she comes back can they re can they reunite their love and go forward from there so and also about community stories. yeah right there's two different love stories and i felt like that was highlighted in the uh in the trailer so i was really surprised about people's complaints about the marketing and people said there wasn't a villain and it's like no well, the villain is the systemic racism that uh, latinos encounter in this country that is there for you to see throughout um, I saw someone commenting to one of our uh, fellow critic friends is like, oh, really? So like the villain is a good credit check? And it's like, yeah, if you're an ignorant person, that's something you would say. Be smarter <laughs> about how it's being laid down. Be smarter about exploring what's really happening here uh, in these in these stories. And dude, I, I just I'm blown away by people not wanting to go and explore these stories and i just i come back to the to the the a part of this being racism we see latinos constantly being vilified as taking your jobs the border crisis it is in the news all the time right we make a lot of people make fun of, of my people who are standing outside the home depot because they need to work to pay bills or to feed their family so they'll go build something at a house they'll go take cash under the table we talk about them being illegals like there's all kinds of stuff where there's insulting narratives 
about Latinos, and that bleeds through into conservative circles, but also into liberal circles. Please don't think that liberals are somehow immune to racism or immune to not wanting to go see a Latino film. They'll give it all the lip service in the world, but they actually won't put their money where their mouth is. And this is where I saw, I mean, 80 million people voted for Joe Biden, but we can't get more than $11 million to go see the these Latino experience. Like, it's just confusing to me on so many levels. Uh, and I appreciate everyone's takes. I just don't think you can remove racism from part of those takes. Let me ask you, do you think that the release date had to had played into it or, or, or the running time? You know, I know Justin Crow sort of said, well, mm. you know, the, the release date, you, you don't release a movie like this in the summer. People have been cooped up in their homes for the last year. They want to be outside. Now it's beautiful out. Like I had a, I did yeah. have a hard time this weekend justifying spending three hours indoors, mm. uh, you know, or, or two and a half hours watching this, you know, indoors. When it's beautiful outside, I, I didn't feel like I didn't watch it. Oh, because there's Latinos in it. It was because, eh, you know, musicals aren't my favorite genre and this is really long. That's a different, right. That's a different argument. And I haven't seen that too powerfully pushed by a lot of people, all musicals. Because because you could say, well, Greatest Showman made $450 million. So clearly there is a market for musicals. And oh, yes, absolutely. it was released in the fall. Right. But, but And I know Mamma Mia came out in the summer. Right. There's plenty of musicals that, that have been successful that came yes. out in the summer, Moulin Rouge. But at the same time, it, after being in their homes for the last year, do people really want to stay in and, and, and watch a movie on HBO Max? You know, like, I just well, I do wonder if the date hurt it. Well, it possibly, you know, we have to look at more analytics because only we're still within the first week. We don't even know if this thing might have greatest showman legs. Right. I don't believe I don't believe it will because I think there is just this thing that people do not want to go see a Latin experience. I'm telling that's what I think is a lot. A lot of people don't want to say it out loud, but they might be whispering to themselves in their heads as to why they don't go see this movie. And I think that's a part of it. But yes, the idea, the release date might factor into this. But think about it. It's a summer musical because it occurs in summer. summer. And a lot of the film is outside in the summer when people could come near each other. People don't have to wear masks. People are dancing with each other. It's about re-embracing, reconnecting with your community, but also reconnecting with the people around you. So many people on social media, Jeff, are posting about, oh, finally got to go to a group dinner, finally got to a bar, finally got to go all these things. That's all happening in the movie. So why wouldn't you connect to seeing people coming back to their community, re-embracing their community, being around their community, celebrating their community, going to do things with fellow members of their community? It's it's confusing I, to me. I think that, that the movie is up against those experiences, though. It's up against people go, like, I just want to go see my friends again who I haven't seen in so long, or I just want right. to go back to a restaurant. And, and I do think that that is sort of, uh, you know, one of the things that was battling. Yeah. Um, we're not going to spend a whole episode on the nights, but I did want to ask, you know, it's hard to avoid and, and it's not my place to speak to it, but you know, you, yeah. you obviously can is the, the colorism conversations. And yeah. we had a lot of, uh, Afro Latinos, uh, disappointed that they weren't really reflected in the movie because yeah. I, I guess Washington Heights now is currently sort of, uh, an Afro Latino dominated, uh, neighborhood. Mm. Rita, Rita Moreno came out and, and defended, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda. And she walked back her comments yeah, recently. Yeah. Like, what do you what do you make of the whole situation? I think it absolutely is a valid criticism of the film, especially from people who live in Washington Heights, who are currently in Washington Heights, or experienced growing up in Washington Heights. And it's a valid thing. If you remember way back when on Collider Live, one of the things Roxy and I went back and forth about was when they released the images of the actors that are going to be in West Side Story with Steven Spielberg. And my first complaint was they whitened those Latino actors in that first shot. They look much lighter skinned, you know, like me, a little more of a whiter looking Latino. You see that going on, even though I'm full-blooded Bolivian, you see that going on in, in those pictures. And so the complaints, I think, are absolutely valid. Now, my feeling about this is let us break through the ceiling first with a few, with a, with at least one successful movie that will open the door for more representation, more people of color within our Latin community to be a part of the conversation and a part of the narrative, to have our stories being told more and more prominently. Look, we have to understand also, like the black experience in terms of film, that's been going on for a number of decades. And now it took the Black Lives Matter movement. It took Hollywood finally waking up to open the door to cast more people of color, especially more different shades of people in the black community, 
just as it will happen when we start to open the doors to more Latinos being cast in things, opening doors to different shades of Latinos being uh, in these movies and their stories being told. So I think the criticism is valid, but don't not go see the film because of that. Uh, and another thing I'll clue you into as a Latino, Jeff, and this is something that I, I've said on a couple of shows already this week is um, don't discount the racism within our own community. Latinos turn on other Latinos all the time. Latinos of darker versus lighter skin, lighter skin versus darker skin, medium skin. It's all there depending on what country are you from. Sometimes people are biased towards other people, other Latinos from a different country because they're not from their country or their continent. That happens within our community. It's caused fractures and divisions for years. And that could have been part of what was contributing to the box office where Latinos only went, I think in one New York theater, the ticket sales were only 40% Latino and it's when it should have been much higher or they expected it to be much higher. And so these complaints that are coming out are valid complaints. And Rita, thank God, who is an icon and a, and a queen, her walking it back, I think, was a really smart move. But Lin-Manuel Miranda said, I'm listening. And you're right, and I will do better next time. John M. Chu, same thing. And, you know, he suffered some criticism for Crazy Rich Asians. for this, uh, the, I think it was South Asians or Southeast Asians that weren't represented correctly. So this is great that we're having these conversations, though, Jeff. I think it's, it's good to have these conversations. But I don't think these products that are showcasing our communities for the first time, getting big Hollywood pushes, which we haven't seen before, should be getting vilified before they even get out of the starting gate by our own people. Let it breathe a little bit and let's push to tell the stories. Um, people are listening now. People are hearing these things. Okay, great. Next time we're going to focus on casting people of darker color. People are going to make that representation there. That's a positive. I just don't think the things that break the ceiling should be destroyed uh, before they give us a chance to put people of color or darker colors in these movies. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I think uh, that was very well said, better than I ever certainly could have uh, put it. So thank you, John. Um, and now I think it's probably time to move on, move yeah. off the night. Let's talk about, you know, the other big issue of the week, which is, does Batman eat pussy? <laughs> <laughs> With, I cannot believe that, that those quotes even made it into variety. Like, yeah. oh my goodness. I mean, we've seen so many examples, Jeff, of DC and Warner Brothers. Like, I don't know what's going on over there half the time. And you wonder what the, because how does this leak? How does this get out there to put egg on the face of Warner? And by the way, they they should have just said yes to it because it could it would have been one scene, one quick few seconds scene in, a, in one of these episodes and people would have walked right past it, maybe commented on it in a playful way. But now it's become a whole right. thing and it's taken on a life of its own because we talked about it yesterday on the Our Geek Buddies show, which is out for you to, to watch there, plug, plug. But like we talked about the Geek Buddies show, like Batman was having sex with Batgirl uh, on the roof of a building at the beginning of Killing Joke, the animated film and that's the daughter of his friend jim gordon that he's having sex with on the roof so to me i'm like that's okay but i think it comes down to the alpha thing the, the male thing like if catwoman was going down on batman i don't think they'd have an issue with it but the fact that batman is going down and they see batman in a submissive position to catwoman i think the old male toxicity stereotypes well, started popping up that's what i think it was the male executives like no 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 we can't have that you know blah 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 and it's, it's we definitely just... don't see enough male on female oral sex in movies <laughs> that is just completely overlooked and it never happens yeah, yeah. Um, I just thought it was a very funny kind of interesting discourse. And I yeah. believe that it stemmed from a variety article of all places <laughs> that that quote got in. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about a, a big test screening that happened this week. Um, okay. I'm going to avoid, you know, major spoilers, but we're going to dance around it just a little bit. So if you're worried, weary of, of spoilers, come back in, in just, I would say, four to four minutes or so. Okay. But Matrix resurrections screen this okay. week. that is supposedly the title. that's been rumored to be the title for quite some time but apparently that was the title that appeared uh on screen and apparently it's very very meta so you know without getting into too much stuff uh -huh. I, I heard that like we see neo go to a movie theater and like see the matrix is like screening oh, so, like okay. there's a lot of talk about there's a lot of meta commentary about sequels, spin-offs, and like Warner Brothers is mentioned in the movie. Like wow. I heard that there's a line like Warner Brothers is going to do this with or without you, so you might as well get on board. Which 
may have been what they said to to the Wachowskis, to, to yeah. Wachowski. Like, listen, we have this Matrix IP. We want to exploit it, right? Like, people yeah. love the Matrix. We're going to do this. So you're either going to be in or we're going to do without you. And, and maybe the line is like, well, I can't have someone else, like, fu- you know, fucking with what I created. But uh, it just sounds, yeah, very, very meta. Like, are you looking forward to this movie? What is your take on the Matrix? You know, Jeff, you and I are sports fans. If someone is one and two, do you really have a lot of faith that they're going to get to 500? You don't know. The odds are more that they're going to lose the next game than they are they're going to win the next game. So, I, especially if you're a Sixers fan. But I'm looking at this situation here with the, and I'm like, this is one of the Wachowskis coming back, and and certainly they have a they have an opportunity to 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 do something really incredible here. But hearing you describe it and whatever, it gives me it brings back my concerns and my fears after uh, experiencing Reloaded and Revolutions and being supremely disappointed with yeah. uh, with the both uh, of them pissing away uh, what was a great iconic sci-fi movie from 1999. So this, as you describe it, and I'm not seeing this in context or whatever, but my yeah, initial yeah, yeah, my initial reactions to what you're saying make me very much not want to go see the film not want to uh, uh experience it unless it's unless this is a very uh inc- intelligent commentary about the meta stuff that they're bringing up but do i mean we i think we all bristle at the idea of going in and seeing someone mention the studio that's actually doing the film that seems a little weird i don't know if disney's ever mentioned themselves in any of the movies they've ever made so it just seems like a weird decision uh, uh and again out of context it seems right. like a weird decision yeah i want it to exactly. be good yeah yeah i want it to be good i'm excited for it to be but i that's this doesn't sound exciting to me. i would love to see this franchise redeem itself to, mm. to some extent because i think you're right that, that there are some incredible action sequences in those matrix sequels but yeah. but story-wise they just kind of felt like a mess so this is a chance to kind of do some force correction i really do like the cast that they put together for this yeah um yeah, we'll we'll see like what how that approach sort of factors into things and what they're ultimately trying to say uh, with this new movie. Yeah, this sounds this sounds like Tron uh, Tron Legacy. This sounds a little bit like Tron Legacy, and that makes me hesitant for sure. I don't know. I I, I heard it set I don't know, like fifty years after the, the last oh. year or something, and um, uh, and and a Trinity looks the exact same. Uh, that Neo's looking a little bit more his age. Mm. Um, uh, speaking of, of, of uh, Matrix Resurrections, uh, actress Jessica Henwick, who is in the movie, she joined mm-hmm. Knives Out 2 this week. Were you, uh, she was on Iron Fist, right? Oh, yeah. I, were you Were you an Iron Fist guy? Did you watch that oh, or no? I hated that show. Yeah, I hate watch that show, you know, because you got to get through it. But I'm a big Iron Fist guy in terms of the comics. So that's why I watched it. So oh, okay. there was connective tissues there. But yeah. Are you looking forward to Knives Out 2? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to Knives Out 2. I love that first film. Um, but I'm curious to see going down the Netflix path what this is going to look like, if this will be different, because they're spending a lot of money and they're bringing in all these actors. Yeah. You know, Jeff, you wonder. It's a little bit of overkill, right? There's like 75 people of note in the cast. People were already worried about Dune, and Dune is like 50 <laughs> to 20 people of note. Now you're adding like all these people. Will they have enough opportunities to really shine or showcase their talents in this movie? Who knows? But uh, yeah, but I like it. It's a good addition for sure. Um, I just want them to have a good story. Like, I yeah. mean, he can he can get hung up on casting all day, but if, you know, if you don't have a good mystery at the end of the day, who gives a shit who's in it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Julia Butters, who was so great mm. in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She uh, landed a big role in Steven Spielberg's new movie. Yeah. She's going to be playing a, a character based on his sister. Uh, our, our thoughts on, because on, this is like her first kind of big thing since that Tarantino movie. Did, did she wait for the right one? Uh, possibly. I, I like Julia Butters. I think she was great in that movie. I, I even, I think, campaigned um, in on certain shows for her to be nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Yeah. She, I mean, that scene with her and, Bra- uh, I'm sorry, with Leonardo DiCaprio, to have that kind of confidence at such a young age to go toe to toe with DiCaprio is yeah. incredible. So I like this idea for stepping into this film and stepping into this role. Let's see what she can do with it. This is a this is a young talent that you know I think is got Paquin level type of a future Ooh. here, possibly an Smoking Oscar. Paquin. <laughs> I'm just saying she won an Oscar at such a young age. I think Butters absolutely has this potential. Uh, even like Haley Steinfeld did when in True Grit, people were like, "Whoa." 
you know, what's there to come here. And so I think Butters definitely has the potential to be in contention for awards down the road. An, an, uh, Florence, an American Florence Pugh, maybe. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, I, I remember I was like advocating her for to be uh, cast as the lead in the Firestarter remake. I think she probably held out for something. A, a little <laughs> yeah. um, Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore, a couple of Oscar winners starring in May, December, uh, which is from Todd Haynes, who's worked with Julianne Moore a bunch of times. And, and it's like, I think um, Natalie Portman is like an actress, right? Who, who goes off to study the woman who she's going to be playing in a movie and kind of, uh, you know, their, their lives collide. Love this pairing on paper. Are you a Todd Haynes guy though? Yeah, he's an interesting cat. I remember Safe being, when that came out, I think that's Haynes and and yep. seeing what him and Julia Moore did with that. And then, um, yeah, I've enjoyed his stuff. Uh, this is an interesting pairing, but this sounds similar to another movie that I think Julianne Moore was in. And I can't remember the name of it right now where like she's like mirroring or or she's the she's the actress being studied by someone else. So I don't know it feels weird. And, and she's like uh, she's uh, the daughter of a really famous person and she's trying to kind of figure out her life. And this woman comes in to try to guide her through this. I cannot remember this movie. So um, it, it has a little bit of similarities to that. I don't remember the movie itself. I apologize offhand. It is a good, a good pairing on paper, but maybe yeah. not as good as this pairing that, that was announced this week. Jack Black and Tox to join Ice Cube in a movie called Oh Hell No. And they kept the logline under wraps on deadline, but a Hollywood reporter let it spill, where basically Jack Black is going to fall in love with Ice Cube's mother. Who's 51. So that means that it's Jack Black falling in love with like a 70-year-old black woman. And you can just see Ice Cube at the end of that trailer being like, oh, hell no. Like, <laughs> I kind of just love it based on that setup alone. Yeah, I mean, this is this called May December as well? Because I think it would fit. <laughs> I think it would fit. Uh, I, I'm a thousand percent uh, on board with this. This sounds like a lot of fun, and you know, Ice Cube has been uh, such an interesting character, or sorry, interesting person uh, in creating his characters, and an interesting person as he's been out and about in the world and creating the content that he does. So this sounds like a lot of fun. I remember, it was what Jonah Hill dating his daughter in uh, Jump Street uh, uh, 20, 22 Jump Street. Right. So now it's Jack Black dating his mom, and I like this idea right a, a white guy dating an older black woman let's see what we can explore here that uh, has some resonance in terms of heart but also some funny comedic moments uh that you can play out that are that are sensitive to the situation so yeah this sounds like a lot of fun yeah i i, I like uh, that a lot i like jack black mm. um kristen wig doing the husbands which is like a stepford wives type of thing uh, where she's like house hunting with her husband and, and she meets like this group of powerful women and they seem to have it all. Mm. And, you know, it sounds like it's because their husbands are, uh, are, are, you know, something's up with the husbands. <laughs> think that, that, that sounds like a good project for her. Sounds like a, 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 if they play it for comedy, it sounds like a, a very funny situation uh, for sure. And this is where she thrives best. I think as an actress is when she is a person who's walking into a situation and has, no idea what is happening or just trying to figure it out and navigate it. You know, in Bridesmaids, it was really funny seeing her life changing all around her and having her like figure out how to transition into that and leading to all these great comedic moments. I think the same thing here, you can almost see the Kristen Wiig uh, standard stuff where she does the weird kind of huh thing and, and reacts to everything happening. So if it's a comedy, I think this is brilliant. This is, you know, this is where she functions best um and anything to wash the taste out of wonder woman 84 i'm a thousand percent for man yeah me too um all right we got a bunch of just like quick bullets there are a lot of can yeah. projects and, and things like that so so we'll just give our, our sort of uh, quick reactions women talking um which is uh right sarah polly's new movie with francis mcdormand mm. added Rooney mara claire foy jesse buckley and ben wisha i mean i think jesse <laughs> buckley is one of the best actors of her generation they yep. got two lisbeth salanders now in this movie between Rooney mara and claire foy <laughs> and this is this is about like a, a very kind of like religious community where the men have been abusing the women and now the women are, are finally talking about it uh looking forward to this one yeah, absolutely. I just recently watched Away From Her again, that incredible Sarah yeah. Pauly film uh, with Julie Christie about Alzheimer's. Inc. Just a powerful film that she was able to do. So her stepping into this situation, now exploring a little more of this religion side of things, I think is great. You know, it's got a little. It feels a little like Handmaid's Tale, a little bit like Marthy, what, Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. That kind of that little vibe of exploring a a uh, religion or a cult, whatever you want to say, where the men are the dominant. 
uh, part of that situation. And they usually are in these cults and these religions. They usually are. So, And it's a great cast. And you're right about Jesse Buckley. She was the best part of the most recent season of Fargo. That's gonna, for sure. who, who's your favorite among those three? Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley. Ooh. Well, uh, I, I guess I'd have to say Claire Foy. But Jesse wow, okay. Buckley, Jesse Buckley excites me more. But I've enjoyed more of Claire Foy's work. That's what you, I would then, say. Then you watch The Crown. Yes, I love The Crown. She's okay. great in The Crown, and I liked her in First Man uh, okay. as well. Yeah. Um, Brad Pitt is producing Women Talking. He's also producing Kelly Reichert's new movie Showing Up. That added Hong Chao, Andre Benjamin, Judd Hirsch, Sean Magaro, James LaGrosse, joining Michelle Williams. Uh, are you a Kelly Reichert person? Uh, I don't. Let me, can you remind me what film she like, I, Wendy and Lucy and Meek's Cutoff and I I didn't see Oh yes Meek's one. Cutoff I didn't see First Cow I, I did not see First Cow either now the, a lot of people said it was good but then I had some other friends who said it was boring as hell so I haven't seen it but okay. I will give it a chance at some point she's but Meeks, she's but she's also how can I say this she is a filmmaker who yes. takes her time in the things she is telling you. Meek's Cutoff was a very challenging Western to watch because not a lot happens, yet a lot is happening. You've just got to be patient as it comes to its conclusion. And I thought Michelle Williams did a fantastic job in that movie. Uh, Dakota Johnson replacing Daisy Ridley in Daddy-O opposite Sean Penn. Is this an upgrade? Yeah, what what happened there? Is it did Daisy? Is I mean, it, Daisy is it was attached to a whole bunch of indie projects oh, after okay. Star Wars, and, and none of them really moved forward. Uh, yeah. She's doing the Marsh King's daughter now, which just added like Brooklyn Prince. Mm. But uh, I, I personally think Dakota Johnson is an upgrade over Daisy Ridley. I just haven't seen anything from from Daisy Ridley uh, that suggests like yeah. a sort of long career. But uh, sure, I, I like Dakota. Um... I, but I gotta see. I want to see more with Daisy, man. I, I think she was great in those in the in that sequel series. But um, she's made some interesting choices since. Uh, I mean, no one was crying about chaos walking, and we, she needs she needs a hit, man. She needs something Ophelia, big. We weird some yeah. weird choices. It's weird. It's, and, and so she has a sensibility that's more independent film minded. That's for sure. But I, I think she needs a film to break out in, man. It's, people can wash that Star Wars memory away and just focus on Daisy Ridley, who I think is a damn good and solid actress, a very confident actress as well. But yeah, Dakota's a, a nice replacement. I don't know if it's an upgrade, but it's certainly a, re a good replacement. Um, yeah, Mar Marsh King's daughter does sound uh, good. I think that's mm -hmm. Daisy and, and Ben Mendelsohn. Ewan and Sam Hewen doing an Everest movie. Ewan and Hewen, uh, do we think? Do, you, do we need another Everest movie from, from Doug Lyman? This project's been around forever. <laughs> I don't know if we need another Everest. I mean, how many more times? I, I don't know, man. We've seen so many Everest movies between documentaries and actual uh, uh, and, and theatrical films. I just, I, I don't think we need another Everest. I'm not uh, clamoring to see another Everest movie. There's something that, I do love about that, the, the mountain climbing genre, though. Like, yeah. Like survival. I don't know. That's quietly an interesting genre. That has, like, K2 is one of the best films in that genre as well. If you haven't seen that 80s film, yeah. K2 is fantastic. Even the one they, Into Thin Air, the TV movie they did, of Crack Hour's book, I think was a good film to watch as well but i don't know if i'm clamoring to go back there are other mountains in the world for god's sakes Let's you go and hot right now though you and i mean he, yeah he's a, he's a good get for that project um, true. uh j-lo i like doug Lyman. i don't like doug Lyman. j-lo starring in atlas uh netflix sci-fi thriller about a rogue ai so it's like you know there, there, there's this ai who has decided that if we want to end wars we might as well just end you know we have to end humanity that's the only way war is going to end and so j-lo teams up with the thing she hates most a, a rogue ai it sounds very t2 to me yeah t2 i am legend oh sorry not i am legend i am robot yeah. uh or i robot sorry yeah. I, well apparently you can accept <laughs> both slow down controversy <laughs> uh no but i robot same thing right he teams up with that ai will will smith does to go and find out what's actually going on but we've seen this all the time where ai always figures out we've got to erase humanity age of ultron ultron said the same thing i gotta erase humanity to save it from itself because they're imperfect things um nothing about this makes it feel like it's gonna be a hit man J-Lo combined with Netflix combined with sci-fi does not make me excited. It just sounds like a Netflix movie to me, which is not yeah. a, a 
necessarily a good thing. Do uh, not spend $150 million on this movie. You will not see it again. Trust me. Do not spend uh, Michael Pena joining Owen Wilson in Secret Headquarters. Are you liking Owen Wilson and Loki? Oh, dude. It's, you know, the greatest thing about um, people who are veterans of Hollywood is when they go away after stuff that they've experienced or things they're going through in their own life, when they come back again, you get to fall back in love with, which, with what made them great. And right. you see it from a different point of view. Owen Wilson is older now, but the stuff he's doing in Loki may be some of his more most confident work you've ever seen. He is no perfect. His timing with him and Hiddleston is stellar, especially the second episode. The scenes between them in the lunchroom, just stellar writing and stellar acting from both. So I'm glad to see Owen kind of coming back because, you know, people had started making fun of the wow thing and he was right. kind of repeating himself with some of his movies. And of course, he suffered the stuff he suffered, uh, his own mental health kind of breakdown. So it's great to see him coming back and being a part of our uh, being part of our media again. It's great. Yeah, I, I always liked Owen, Owen Wilson. Always had a soft spot for him. Uh, enjoying him on, on Loki. And, and I think that Paramount has high hopes um, for the Secret Headquarters project, which Bruckheimer's producing. Oh. I really like Michael Pena, too. Uh, so that, that, yeah. that could be fun. Uh, Paul Giamatti and Alexander Payne getting back together for the holdovers. Thought that was an interesting reunion. I know Alexander Payne has, has you know, dealt with some stuff on uh, uh, on his mm. own, like with Rose McGowan and, and, and all that. Oh, yeah. Now he, he's sort of resurfacing in the indie world uh, after, you know, his last studio movie, Downsizing, flopped. Oof. I, I, I like so that, good. though, turning to an old friend in Paul Giamatti and, and being like, let's go just make, like, a, a real movie again. Yeah. Sometimes that's what you got to do to kind of reconnect to everything and, and rediscover the joy of doing what you did, what got you into it. Certain Giamatti's just a stellar, stellar actor, man. And as much as he's used, he's still never used enough. He's just You're so a big damn sideways good. guy, right? Who? What? You're yeah, sideways. sideways. I love Sideways. Yeah, absolutely. Great film. Uh, good one to, and that's, you want to feel old. That was 17 years ago, that movie. It's wow. kind of crazy to think about. Um, Saoirse Ronan, Lakeith Stanfield, and Paul Mescal doing Garth David's sci-fi thriller *Foe*. Uh, sorry, Garth Davis. Uh, Cynthia Revo starring in a remake of Bette Midler's *The Rose*. Did you ever see mm. *The Rose*? I never. Yeah, seen. yeah, nineteen seventy-nine. *The Rose*, fantastic film. That good. Uh, look at look at you pulling release dates. <laughs> that that <laughs> well, good uh, recasting, Cynthia Revo. I like the idea of Cynthia Revo being a part of this. Uh, she's a powerfully strong actress so to see her stepping in to show what this story would be like from the black experience i think is great you know a singer experiencing what she might be singing the breakdown she's having and for those of you who know the end of the rose it will be interesting to see if they stay with the same ending or adjust it uh considering uh the actresses and the actress they've got and also the fact that it's 2021 so uh, i'm curious but i'm looking forward to it you know and we just saw what, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom? You know, we got a, a, a black singer experiencing what she's, a female singer experiencing what she's experiencing. We've seen these ladies sing the blues with Diana Ross. So we've seen how it can be to experience being super famous uh, as a black uh, female singer. So what will this project bring while also being faithful to the original? I was, I'm curious. Uh, me too, me as well. Um, my boy Chris Lowell, who I've known since he was in college, joined uh, How I Met Your Mother. Sorry, How I Met Your Father, the TV show. Uh, happy, happy for for Chris on that one. STX sold off its Kristen Bell comedy Queen Pins to Paramount and Showtime for twenty million. Thought that was kind of interesting. I, I wonder how much that movie cost. Maybe it was like eight to twelve, and so STX gets a little, you know, ten, 10 to twelve million dollar profit or whatever. Yeah, uh, off to Paramount Plus. Um, uh, this story I'm posting right at the end of this podcast, John. Ooh. So by, by the time uh, it, it, it goes online or, you know, this podcast goes up, this, this story will be making the rounds. But Hiroyuki Sonata is going to be joining John Wick 4. Yes! Uh, and, you know, we also reported that Lawrence Fishburne is going to be back. I imagine we'll get a sort of full... Uh, a, a, a fuller idea of who's in this movie and who's coming back. Um, are yeah. you pumped for John Wick 4 and are you excited to hear Yuki from the cast now? Uh, first of all, of all the Keanu Reeves franchises, the fourth installment of this one is the one that excites me more than Matrix 4. And even if they announced a Bill and Ted 4, this would still uh, excite me the most. Uh, yeah, I think they found their feet again in, in John Wick 3. John Wick 2 was, uh, it was okay. John Wick 3 really found their feet again. Equilibrium and then, or Parabellum rather. Now we go into 4. 
And I like Sonata. I, I've liked Sonata since Last Samurai. That's when I first discovered him as an actor and then went back and watched all these other films with him. And of course, him being recently in Mortal Kombat, one of the best parts of Mortal Kombat, that's been fantastic. So to see him stepping in, is he going to be, I guess, a main villain? You know, because he's in his 60s, man. He can only do so much of that fighting stuff. Ah, then again, Liam Neeson's doing it into his 70s. So uh, I guess it doesn't matter. But yeah, I, I, I like him being a part of this. It'll add some weight and some gravitas to a John Wick 4 that I, that I look forward to. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. So I, I believe um, what, what, what happened with this, he's going to be playing this character with Tanabe. And so mm -hmm. I think Frosty was actually interviewing Lawrence Fishburne and asking him if he was going to be back as, as John in John Wick 4. Yeah. And Lawrence Fishburne was like, well, you know, it's really about the relationship between John Wick and Watanabe. And so we thought that he may have been talking about Ken Watanabe. What? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Watanabe, you know? Yeah. And, um, and, and then we we're like, no, 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 wait, he's talking about a character, not an actor. <laughs> like, this is, it's, not, it's not Ken. Uh, anyways, we, we got that figured out. Yeah. Um, we had a few more uh, news okay. stories real quick before the, the uh, reviews and trailers part of the show. My girl Gina Rodriguez directing the, a, a uh, boxing movie about them, a Mexican-American boxer with mental health struggles, Ryan Garcia. Have you heard of him? No, I have not. So I'm curious. Okay. Uh, I, I read this the other day that she was doing this. So I'm excited to see this uh, uh, come about. And certainly... Uh, Gina, you know, people come after Gina sometimes, but she they just do. keeps pushing forward and doing her thing. She's she's a force to be reckoned with, and God love her. And yes, has she made a couple of missteps? Yeah. Certainly, but she's always quick to apologize. She's always quick to own it. She's always quick to learn from it and become better. So shout out to her. She's I, I love her. She, she, Gina, Gina's a good girl. But uh, yes. I mean, did you see that new Netflix movies movie of hers? I have not yet. Awake? I haven't seen it yet. It's not good. Yeah, yeah. So if, it does, if it doesn't hit my my uh, peripheral vision uh, in terms of attention, then I know it's not a good movie. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Moses Ingram, who's going to be in the new Macbeth movie, uh, she was cast as Whitney Houston's assistant in I Want to Dance with Somebody. I think that, that could be a, a big role for her. I mean, yeah. you know, I don't know. It's a project that I'm going to run out to see, but I know a lot of people are interested in Whitney Houston and the story surrounding her death. Yeah, she, she's a real up and coming um, black actress. Yeah, uh, like Dustin that. Hoffman and Sissy Spacek doing this project. Sam and Kate. I, I just wanted to talk about like I'm just kind of relieved that Dustin Hoffman has not been canceled because because it seemed like he was canceled there for, mm. for a little while. And yeah. I know he was a cad back in the back in the day. I mean, that's sort of the way that stars behave. But I'm glad that yeah. he is getting another chance, even if it's just, you know, doing a little uh, indie movie with Sissy Spacek. Yeah, yeah. And he kind of thrives in these. Remember Last Chance Harvey? He was really oh, good yeah. in Last yeah. Chance Harvey. Emma Thompson? Yeah, him and Emma Thompson. Really great right. stuff. When he acts with people of his generation or his age or his, or around his it, it, he he really brings um some nice uh, uh, levels and colors to the work he does. So this is exciting. And I love Sissy in Old Man and the Gun. Her and Robert Redford, great chemistry as well, contemporary. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, why not? Let's make it happen. Robert Duvall joins the Pale Blue Eye with Christian Bale and Harry Melling. Harry Melling is going to be playing Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, Robert Duvall had already worked with Scott Cooper on, which one was it? Crazy Heart. Yeah, Crazy, Crazy Heart. Heart. Right. Playing um, Jeff Bridges' dad. Right. Uh, Zoe Kravitz making her directorial debut with Pussy Island, starring Channing Ch Tatum. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I don't know if that title will end up changing. I think Batwoman and Catman. I mean, Batman and Catwoman need to be on that movie. Yeah, Cat Catwoman. Uh, it's been a big week for Catwoman and, and Pussy. Uh, uh, okay, one thing I want to ask you about the. Mm. What did you think of that animated heat scene? Ah, oh, that was great! Oh my god. So yeah, did they did they tweet at you too? That thing was great. Um, please do the whole movie yeah. like that. I would I love would to see a like Disney that. animated version of Heat. I would I would go to the theater and pay money to see that. Do you think so, we yeah. could see like animated R-rated movies like that? Where they transfer them into crime. like you know the way that they do an R-rated sausage party comedy? Could we right. see a crime movie that's animated? Yes, let's do it. I, I would absolutely. Why not? We're expanding our ideas of what's possible now and people have had time to be alone with their thoughts for what 18 months now jeff maybe there's some great creativity that's going to come from that and certainly an r-rated an uh, animated action film i think would be badass why not we've seen yeah. them i mean heavy metal was 1980 that you could argue that's there's some action in that that's an r-rated film why not i Let's like do heavy it. metal a lot um yeah. I, I i thought it was a very cool test and uh you know with the heat stuff and 
Yeah. I don't know. I'd like to see more scenes done like that. I, I wish that there was an app where we could sort of do that ourselves. That's coming. Know? Trust me. You know, like everything else, it's always quick. The app yeah. is probably right behind it. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of talk this week about this um, new, you know, th this New Zealand project, They Are Us, about this the New Zealand uh, massacre, you know, mm. with, uh, attacks in Muslim mosques from right. Andrew Nichol. And people were worried that it was going to be a white savior movie about the New Zealand prime minister. But, you know, I think that they just needed, I, I guess Rose, Rose Byrne was cast as her. Mm -hmm. and so people sort of made it out to be like, oh, this movie's about her, when really she's just a sort of character among uh, among the ensemble you know right right uh, oh, and, and you, you cast someone no you cast someone like that to get eyes on the film right you cast someone like rose Byrne to get attention to the right. film and that prime minister certainly has been an incredible prime minister in dealing with guns and dealing with the covid situation incredible to keep her nation going forward uh, my you know my girlfriend lived in new zealand for two years she loves that country so mm -hmm. and was very broken uh, up by the tragedy that happened there as well so you look at that and you're like, okay we're gonna explore that andrew nichols a great director to step into the take this task on now you start to look at are you gonna cast new zealand actors who are gonna be part of this Cliff Curtis, I think, is uh, isn't Cliff Curtis a uh, uh, New Zealand or, right, yeah. or something? That's he's a great actor that you could slide into there. Um, oh, I mean, there there are a lot of people, you know. Tomorrow say, Morrison, sorry, Tomorrow Morrison, Rachel House. Oh, okay. go, let's go, let's bring those in. Yeah, you know, there were some people saying it was too soon, and I understand those complaints. Mm, I, I think there are a lot of projects, you know, whether it's some of the nine eleven stuff or even the Boston Marathon stuff. Where oh it, yeah, it, it, this is kind of too soon like what is the, the the goal of this project and the point of, of making it but uh I, I also you know i think deadline sort of closed its story with this line like andrew nichols is a new zealand filmmaker he has yep. every you know this story belongs to to uh, all new zealanders and he has every right to, to tell the story yeah um, but I, I get those initial concerns about the, the white savior narrative of course um, harvey harvey weinstein sent back to la to face charges <laughs> Good. Let this guy pay for everything he's fucking done. Did you see the video? Oh, it's fantastic. Just no, head and hands. He, he uh, went. They, they, they had. They released a video of him reacting to it. Uh, head completely in hands. I love it. Done, love, son. Give him the perp walk. Yeah. Uh, God's favorite India. Uh, that, that's the Melissa McCarthy show that she was doing mm. with Ben Falcone that, that they sort of said was shut down. It, it just. It wasn't really that big a deal. Netflix just decided to do one season at a time rather than shoot all 16 episodes at once. Maybe they, they didn't like what they were seeing after that first season and, and maybe they're gonna pull the plug. Maybe they're just gonna shoot it cheaper somewhere else. I don't know. But, I, I think Jupiter's legacy woke a lot of people up over Netflix about maybe. the money they're spending on these TV series. And if anyone can cite me the last good uh, Melissa McCarthy, Ben Falcone co-production, I'll give you a hundred dollars. You know, did I mean, you see just, Thunder Force? Oh man, <laughs> man! I Thunder didn't think Force. it was as bad as that. Uh, I didn't think it was terrible. I, I did like Jason Bateman. Yeah, ba well, Bateman's always good. The Lobster Hands, that shit was funny. But, like, I, oof, yeah, they, they don't make good movies. I think they did Spy. Spy was good. But I think that's basically the last thing I enjoyed from them. There's a, uh, a new um, dating show that Nikki Glaser's hosting for HBO Max called uh, F-Boy Island. This sounds wild, where it's like half the guys are nice guys and half the guys are fuckboys. Mm. And, like, I mean, sign me up. Like, I, I think <laughs> I would watch that. And, and word on the street was that Nikki Glaser actually slept with uh, one of the fuckboys during, during production. That, well, that woman lives her truth, man. You can't deny her truth. I, I think she's hilarious. I, I do too. I, yeah, I always liked her. I like her a little bit more than like Whitney Cummings and, and some of the other. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, yeah Nikki's very, very funny. Um, do you watch Clarice? I have not. No, no. I I, I don't know. I just don't. I, I, I mean, it, it's not. It's talk not to very me. Good. It's not very good. But the, okay. I thought that the Clarice situation that was in the news this week was very, very interesting because they said that, you know, we're moving it off CBS. We're going to put it on Paramount Plus, mm. uh, which is like, I don't understand that uh, considering like the license fee. Like, I'm sure it's not a, a, an inexpensive show to produce. And so why just bury it on a streaming service that nobody really has and then sure yeah. enough um negotiations broke down and it looks like the show will not be back i don't know if this is because like mgm wasn't negotiating in good faith or mgm just signed the deal with amazon so maybe amazon's like we would love to do something with sounds of the lambs but you got to get rid of this clarice show because it's mm -hmm. like fucking up everything uh i i just I, thought, I feel like there's more to that whole situation i hope it does come out what's the need to do this again no one's ever going to top Jodie Foster. You're just <laughs> no. chasing the fucking dragon constantly with this thing. 
No one wants to see IP and people just need to exploit it. Yeah, what, but but it's not good IP to exploit because people don't come in the same numbers that they came to Silence of the Lambs. They don't, and they never will because right. you're never going to recapture it until you bring Jodie Foster back. Until you bring Jodie Foster back to play Clarice Starling again as an older FBI agent, you're never going to get the numbers back again that you had before. It's a waste of time, waste of money, in my opinion. We got about ten minutes left in the show. Okay, Elijah right. Wood joined the the Toxic Avenger reboot. Uh, he's got that Macon Blair connection. They did that Sundance movie together. Are you a Toxic Avenger guy? Uh, yes and no. Like when I was a kid, sure it was fun, but it doesn't hold the nostalgia for me that it used to in the past. So certainly a great time when I was a teenager watching those on VHS. But I wasn't clamoring for a Toxic Avenger. I don't know who is. I'm just very surprised that like they're sinking a lot of money, uh, you know, in or you know, into this. Or yeah. Whatever. Um, I uh, got some quotes on Orphan 2, or, or sorry, Orphan First Kill. It's a prequel because I interviewed um, Isabel Furman for The Novice this week. Uh, she said that it, she's making movie history in this where she's the first, it's the first time that an adult actress is going to be reprising a role that they played as a child. Do you think that's, I mean, is that true? Can you think of any other examples? Because I, I couldn't and neither could my colleagues at Collider. Adult actress reprising a role that they made famous as a child? Uh, yes. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Yes. And, and, and like a lead actress. Yeah, I don't think yeah, that I, I can. No, I don't think. I, I think she may, she, she may be right, which is kind of kind of wild. Um, yeah. I, I like the original Orphan. Did you ever see it? Yeah, yeah. Interesting film. Uh, interesting uh Horror film for sure. Yeah. John McCallister, he's a madman. Yep. Um, uh, I want to give a couple shout outs. Uh, to the Mandy Patinkin video with him and his wife trying to come up with the name with Christian Bale. Uh, uh, gold. Did you, did you watch that? <laughs> I watched all of Patinkin's videos when he posted them. He's when amazing. he joined social media, it was an immediate follow uh with him because i've always been a patinkin fan so i enjoy that that was very uh funny. i read yesterday huffington post kip kinkle piece he's like one of the original school shooters that mm. was fascinating guy had never done an interview wow. if, you've if you haven't read that piece check, no. check out uh, okay on kip kinkle um uh okay trailers real quick uh did you see the shrink next door trailer this morning no what was that one that's with will ferrell and and paul rudd the apple series coming out oh sweet no i haven't seen that trailer. that looks really uh good there was a trailer it was not a good week for trailers mm-hmm. die in a gunfight with alexander daddario and uh diego Beneta. They, they've been trying to make that movie for for ages like since i was a, a cub yeah. reporter um, but it looked like it had some style I love Daria. I wish people would put her in more prestigious stuff. She's a goddamn good actress. Give her better stuff to do, or she's got to get better representation, man, because there's no reason she should get lost in the mix. She's a good actress. Um, did you see the trailer for American Rust? Little teaser with Jeff Daniels yesterday? Yes, I did see that. Well, I like that. What, what did you think? That looked good. That that could yeah. be like, you know, the next mayor of Easttown or whatever, where he's yeah. like a, a small town Pennsylvania sheriff trying to uh, protect the son of the woman that he loves when there's a, a murder investigation. Is he going to do the accent? That's what you got to ask yourself. Yeah, exactly. I, I, that <laughs> I don't know. All right. I'm about to post the, the John Wick story and we All have right. like five minutes left in the show. You know, okay. Well, uh, why don't you take it away? What do you think of the playoffs this year? The NBA playoffs? Because they've been very entertained yeah i love championship i I, your best is as good as mine at this point i I have no idea who's going to win this championship i thought utah was going to stomp all over the clippers last night and all of a sudden donovan mitchell couldn't score to save his life uh and this is a team without their star Kawhi leonard they allowed paul george to pull out the alpha card which he hasn't used in years and he took over that game marcus morris having 20 something points that's ridiculous so uh to me I, i i think the jazz once again are being found out here as pretenders not contenders to the title i think the suns were odds on favorite to win this thing but now with the cp3 COVID thing i don't know what's going to happen if he's out for two weeks only for a few days that being said if it's if this season if this series goes seven games he's got more time to recover so the uh, the suns are still my odds on favorite if harden can stay healthy then the nets start to come back into the conversation uh, i think the sixers are finished and I, if the Bucks can't, if the yeah. Bucks can't wake up uh, from this situation, then you know they were never really. Giannis is not an alpha dog, and people need to start uh, need to stop saying he's an alpha dog. If they can't take advantage of a crippled Brooklyn Nets team with a bunch of old dudes coming off the bench, come on. Um, I could not believe something like the the you know Philadelphia collapses. Yeah, Trey Young has really impressed me. Yep, and you said like there's the first time. Uh, you tweeted it the first time what a team has lost 
back-to-back games when they've given up over 20, when they've been had over 20-point leads in the games. So yep. incredible. I want to congratulate Suki Chu on joining uh, Michael Sugar's company, Sugar23. I want to congratulate Rebecca Ford on joining Vanity Fair. She hasn't even addressed that yet, but that leaked in uh, Matt Bellany's uh, top secret private email uh, newsletter, which I thought was a kind of interesting placement for it. Mm -hmm. Um, Reviews. Okay, really quick. I I saw some Tribeca movies this week. No Man of God. That's Elijah Wood as FBI profiler Big Bill Hagmeyer interviewing Mm -hmm. Ted Bundy over the last few years of his life. Uh, I, I thought uh, Luke Kirby was actually really good as Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. Uh, movie on the whole, kind of, I, I felt like I'd kind of seen it before. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now, did you watch any Tribeca movies? No, not yet. I haven't okay. seen any of these things. Uh, I sh- you know, I I just didn't apply to be part of press for that because I didn't know what my situation was going to be. Now that I have a clearer idea of what I'm doing on the channel uh, over the last few weeks, now I'm going to start doing more of that kind of stuff, getting my hands on it. I get all the press releases. I made friends with the, one of the publicists there. So, you know, I'm getting the press releases. Okay, good. Um, the Novice, I thought was good. That, that played like a whiplash with, with oars instead of drumsticks. Isabel oh, Furman, cool. great performance from her. Uh, it's just the, 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 the third act, the climax is, is, is kind of poorly directed. Um, so mm-hmm. it's kind of tough to tell what's going on there in the water. Seven Days with Ger- Geraldine uh, Viswanathan and, and Karen Sony, who plays Dopinder in, in the Deadpool movies. That was just like a, you know, your, your sort of typical quarantine comedy uh, that was yeah. made at the, outside of, uh, at the outside of the pandemic. Catch the Fair One was really good. That's executive produced by Darren Aronofsky. It features um, a, a boxer out of Providence, a female boxer named Callie Reese. Wow. Who goes undercover into like the the sex tra- sex trafficking ring to find her missing sister? Thought that was very very good. Uh, I reviewed Dave season two for the site. I gave it an A minus. So check out my review of Dave season two on Collider. Do you watch Dave uh, Roca? I tried on your recommendation, pal. It is not my humor. I could care oh, less. Wow. I don't like that it. dude. I could care less about that dude. And I okay. just I it's just not my humor, man. Yeah, but hey. I respect your opinion, brother. Are you a Curb Your Enthusiasm guy? I love Curb Your Enthusiasm. How can you love Curb and hate Because Dave? I connect to that guy more than I connect to that schlubby guy on Dave. I connect more to an accomplished, successful man who has his weird proclivities as opposed to a guy who's constantly, you know, I don't know, just irritating on so many levels. For me, Are, for me. are you watching Hacks? Yeah. I loved Hacks. I'm about to do a review for it this weekend. Okay. Uh, rewatch the entire series again. No after it was I'm, I'm halfway through. It's Dude, great. it's great. It's stel- maybe the one of the best first seasons of television I've ever seen. Ever seen. And yeah. Hannah Einbinder, she is the daughter of Lorraine Newman, ladies and gentlemen. Who so she comes from good comedy stock. She's incredible in the show as well with Gene Smart. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, Gene Smart's fantastic. She could she could win an Emmy for this. Yes. Um, I, I saw Untitled Horror Movie, uh, which was made by a couple of buddies of mine, Nick Simon and Luke Baines. And, and you know, I, I, I love those guys. Uh, they're, they're friends of mine. But, you know, I, I, I got to be honest. And, and that that is that was not a good movie. It was just not for me. Uh, you know, actors getting bored and, and doing their own thing on Zoom. But, it, you know, it, you may like it, um, you know, if you're looking for like, an industry kind of satire. Uh, two other reviews this week. Did you see Luca? Uh, no, I'm watching that today, later on today, and I'll be doing my okay. review tomorrow for the channel. Yeah, I'll, I got the I got the notice, uh, or I got the screener yesterday, so I'll be watching. I thought it was very, very good. I, I, good. You know, I, I liked how it started. Um, the middle, I kind of found it dragging. I was like, oh, maybe this isn't like a real top-tier Pixar thing. Maybe this is why they sent it to Disney+. Plus. But the third act, I thought, was tremendous. Oh, uh, and, and I was tearing up and crying. Um, and, and I, I, you know, there is a lot of... Um, uh homoerotic undertones i would say it's almost like a coming out story in a sense okay Uh, but i I definitely liked luca i liked it more than soul quite frankly Mm -hmm. and then the other show that i uh wanted to talk about before we wrap up today is physical have you watched any episodes of this Uh, no i haven't but the trailer looks stellar and i know i love rose burns so I'm definitely gonna, if you if you're saying it's good, I'll give it a shot. I'm not actually. I'm oh, not okay. saying it's good. Uh, so I watched the whole thing. Like and like I would watch new episodes if they came out right now. Like it's mm. a show that is very watchable. Okay. Uh, and she's fantastic on the show, but it is a mean spirited show, particularly <laughs> if you're an overweight person. Like it is just her. Just like, you know, look at this fat fuck, you know, shoveling in, you know, the food into his face. He can't get it in fast enough. Like, I don't know that this is the show that America really needs right now. And mm. and then the the flip side of it is that everything with her husband, played by Rory Scovel, who is good, 
like that's not the show that I'm watching here. It's that's like right. a different show, right. and and they spend so much time with that character. Like Hollywood Reporter's uh, review said it best, where it's like I can't. I've never seen a show spend so much time on less interesting subplots that take away <laughs> from like who we should be watching. Uh, so it, it is okay. a, a creative miscalculation. Uh, which is a shame because there is a lot of potential and I do love the premise in the setup. That's the perfect time, you know, of, of women creating this business in the early eighties of, yeah. you know, workout videos and, and the rise of VHS. There really was a lot of potential for this. And I, and I don't think it hit the mark, which was frustrating. Um, okay. Okay. Second Apple show in a row to do that uh, with Lysi's story. Did you try that one? Yeah. I, I liked the Lysi's story. That was actually good. That was damn good. Actually. Yeah. I, I stopped after two episodes. That was really? For me. Um, all right, John, I'm about to let you go. But what is the best thing that you've seen this year, uh, movie-wise? Woo! Best thing I've seen this year? What? Good God. Best thing I've seen this that's, that's a hell of a thing to put me on. Um, no, I have to say A Quiet Place Part 2, man. I mean, so far, actually being in the theater, A Quiet Place Part 2, that's been that's a, been a stellar experience. And I loved it. Uh, I thought Cruella was stellar as well so i'll stop for cruella so those three and in the heights of course definitely in the heights but those three are right now one more tv show let me throw out there bosch is about to come back with its last season i so watched you're all, the guy watching bosch yeah i watched all six seasons over the last three weeks with my girlfriend all six seasons See, so yeah, I'm not sure what happened there with the end of the show. We lost john i'm sorry um but hey have a wonderful weekend everybody i'm headed out of town uh i will see you next week for episode 89 of the Snyder Gun. Until next time, stay safe out there. Bye.